Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper podcast. I'm Grace Atwood. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today, we're in Morocco. We're in Africa right now. It's our both of our first time on this continent, which is very exciting. This is a very exotic podcast episode. Yes, so get ready. We've got a lot in store for you. Including talking about this week's book, Ghosted by Rosie Walsh. Yes, I loved this book. I mean, we'll get into it, but we're going to talk about Morocco a little bit first. Becca, what was the high of your week? I mean, my high is definitely just being in Morocco. And this has been at the top of my travel destination list for probably close to five years. I've been dying to come here and nobody wants to go with me. And oh, it's been on my list for a long time. I don't know how we didn't I figure know, this out I, sooner. I feel like we didn't connect the dots. And when we did, we were like, oh, yeah, let's go. Um, but I've been wanting to come here for so long. So it feels like such an accomplishment to even be here. Um, we are in Marrakesh for three days. I loved it. It was amazing. We stayed in the Medina, which was really cool. We stayed at the most beautiful hotel. We stayed at La Sultana. Um, which is like a boutique hotel that's very small in the Caspa district. And the hotel was insane. It, it was amazing. It was so well decorated and so special. Every little corner like had some sort of really cool detail. Yeah. I was having travel anxiety because I was following so many hotels on Instagram and being like, how do we make sure we're at the right one? But honestly, we went to a couple of the other hotels and I won't say which ones, But the thing that I didn't love about them is that it felt like you were just at a hotel, like you could be anywhere. Yeah. It felt like, you know, like you could, you could have been in Vegas or like at any, you know, any place where there's like major luxury hotels. But I love that our hotel felt like very specific to Morocco with all of the decorations. The service was amazing. It was like being in a boutique hotel with like the amenities of a five-star resort. Yeah. I felt like a princess. Same. And then we got to do a whole ton of sightseeing around Marrakesh. Yeah. So we went to the Sooks. We did that. We did a camel ride. We did a hot air balloon ride. A hot air balloon ride was actually one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life. I would agree. It was amazing. We it, learned how to bargain, sort of. Sort of. I, we were not good at haggling. No. I like almost felt myself starting to cry and I had to walk away from several things. No baby shoes. Yeah, we walked away from $3 <laughs> baby shoes because we couldn't get the price down enough. But then in, in retrospect, it was like the shoes were $3. You yeah. should have just bought them. Anyway. <laughs> we're learning. We'll come back. Anyway, um, Marrakesh was just so cool. It felt very foreign, but it felt very safe. Like it was interesting to observe another culture and to feel somewhere so different than home or other places I would like if you were traveling in Europe but it still felt I didn't feel unsafe we were talking about how I don't think I would have liked to go there alone yes I agree I think I would have had the same experience I had in Bangkok I would have felt very overwhelmed and nervous Um, yeah I think it could be overwhelming but I loved it loved it so and now we're out on the coast we're in Walidia for a couple of days and it's so beautiful here. We're again we're staying at La Sultana and it's right on the water, like along the coast. The sunsets every night are incredible. We can see the ocean from our room. I've never been anywhere like this. And this is the relaxing part of the trip. So yeah. we haven't left the hotel because there's not a ton to do outside of the hotel. So we've just been going to the pool and taking naps and so eating at the naps. restaurant here. So And reading a ton. Reading a ton. It's been it's been a good 
balance between going and seeing and doing in Marrakesh, which is also like 105 degrees. Yes. And being out on the coast and just being lounge lizards. Agreed. It's really nice. So this is definitely my high. And my like second high is that I have a, like almost a full week of travel to go. I'm so jealous. I'm going to Portugal for six days. So jealous. That's that's really high on my list. Yeah, I'm excited. I know your high is also Morocco. We kind of just like double yeah, we kind of double high do. But I will also say that riding a camel was kind of a high for me. So I'm terrified of like heights and falling. So weirdly, the hot air balloon wasn't that scary to me. The hot air balloon was a weird experience. So we, you had to crouch down in the basket for takeoff, and I thought that we were going to be like 10 feet off the ground yeah, when she told we were us so to get high. up and we were a couple hundred feet off the yeah, ground it, it was, was so weird it was so smooth and mm-hmm. going up wasn't bad at all going down I got a little bit like motion sick yeah but it wasn't scary at any point it was almost like it's weird if you think about it in the same way that being on a like crew the fact that cruise ships don't sink and that yeah. they float like that's also weird but it wasn't dangerous like it it was just like, hmm, this doesn't make a whole ton of sense, but yeah. I felt totally safe and it wasn't scary. Yeah, it wasn't scary at all. And we were up so high. But anyway, so that didn't bother you. But so we get, we then were taken to do this camel ride. And first of all, it smelled terrible. And then I saw the camel and it was so big. And I was like, Becca, I might just sit this out. I don't think I can do it. Like, so as background guys, I am terrified of horses so and And I didn't know this about you so I'm so scared of them like I will pet one if it's like in a pen and it can't come at me if it's loose like I don't want anything to do with it my mom signed me up for horseback riding lessons when I was a kid because my sisters um were both great with horses Meredith went on to ride equestrian when she was at Denison and like had us like had a lifelong love of horses my mom was the same way so I was the disappointment because I got put up on that horse and I had a Full on. I don't think that we knew what it was because I was like very young, but it was a panic attack. Like I started to shake, wow. started to sweat. I was like, get me off of this thing. I started to cry. My parents took me off the horse and I never went back and tried to get on a horse again. Until this camel. Until at, at age 36, I got on the camel and I really just did what was going along with it because I didn't want to be that person. Like I was like, I'm going to embarrass myself. Like I don't want to be that person. I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do this like when like so what happens is you sit on the camel while it's like kind of laying down and then the camel gets they all get up in a row because they're attached to each other like by like little ropes um and it really wasn't a big deal but I was up there and I was just so proud of myself I'm like I'm doing it like my camel (laughs) had green teeth and he was smelly but I was just so I felt so proud that I was up there I mean there was a six-year-old girl in front of me also riding the camel by herself so this is not a big accomplishment but I was just so proud of myself for kind of overcoming one of my fears no Grace was very brave I was really scared though the the other thing I will say just for context is that camels don't go very fast oh my god you can walk you can easily out walk or run a camel it's not an efficient mode of transportation but I get from the height perspective yeah that that's we're pretty scary. far off the ground yeah and you're it's out of your control yeah I don't think a horse can buck you off, though. I don't imagine a camel would. Uh, the camel was, like, shifting quite a bit. I feel like it could. 
Oh, maybe. I don't know. Somebody tell us if you know anything about camels going rogue patterns. (laughs) Yeah. Because we certainly don't. Yeah. So let's talk about Lowe's. I got really sick. Like, really sick. Um, Really bad stomach issues, so haven't been able to enjoy Willidia as much as I had wanted. I was going to take a surf lesson and did not do that. I've mostly been just napping in the sun and not eating food. I think I'm just so bummed because this little town is known for its seafood, especially oysters, and oysters are, like, one of my favorite things in the world. And, like, I was looking at the menu last night, and my stomach was just turning. Yeah, but, like, travel FOMO is so real. Yeah. Like, you're somewhere and, you know... Like, who knows if I'll ever get back here Yeah, like, it cost you time and money to get here, and, like, you're not making the most of it. I totally get that. Yeah, it's like, there's, like, this... Besides feeling shitty, you have this guilt. I'm like, I'm not surfing. I'm not eating oysters. Like, when will I ever be back here? Like, where we are is pretty remote. Like, I don't know that I'll ever be back in Melidia again. No, I totally feel that. Travel FOMO. Yeah. What about you? Is everyone ready for like the pettiest low we've ever discussed? Always. Like, I don't have a low. This is grasping at straws. But if I had to name something, it would be that they are very withholding with water here. It's so funny. They'll bring you like a tiny cup every time you ask for water. So we have been staying in hotels and they in the mini bar they have waters but there's like two small bottles of water so like that's all we get and every time we ask for more they'll bring us like two more small ones and I'm like I want a liter bottle like give me a big bottle because also very hot here and we've been very active so right and you can't drink the tap water which you can't drink the tap water and there's no um like corner store situation like you would find in like the U.S. or Europe where you can just grab a couple big bottles of water I mean right now we're in the middle of nowhere so there literally isn't a corner store but even in Marrakesh there weren't really any stores by our hotel where we could just grab yeah. water so I feel like I'm just in a constant battle trying to get people to give me more than one small glass of water at a time yeah I don't know how they d- subsist on so little water I know. Here. and if you know it doesn't I'm, feel like a priority to them no. and if you know anything about me like if you've met me in person or spent any real time with me you know that like one of my deepest paranoias is about being dehydrated I have the same paranoia <sighs> it's awful I hate like I I'm always convinced that I'm dehydrated but yeah. I, I can't get everyone to, anyone to give me enough water yeah so I'm gonna go to Portugal and I'm gonna go buy myself some big bottles of water yeah so that's the pettiest low I've ever had yes it's pretty petty we're having an amazing time yeah everything's great yeah slightly dehydrated but everything's great yes Shall we be desperate for a minute before we talk about the book? Guys, if you enjoy this podcast, the best thing you can do is go into iTunes. You don't even have to pause the podcast. You can just open it right up in iTunes. Leave us a review. We would love it if you want to get creative and write something. Otherwise, five stars is great. And And what else can you do? You can join our Facebook group, which is a blast. Just search Bad on Paper and uh, join the group, not like the page. And you can follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. Or tell a friend. Yeah, do something nice for us. Yeah, thank you. It's free entertainment. Yay. Yay. Let's talk about this book. Oh, this book was so cute. I didn't want it to end. I, it took me a while to get into it. I read the first chapter of this book when we were in Cape Cod and I was like, meh. 
Yeah. But you told me, everyone told me it was so good. Yeah. So the the main character was a little bit annoying for a lot of the book. Well, but, let's tell, okay. let's go through the plot summary. Let's tell yeah. people what happened first and then we can talk about it. Okay. So Sarah and Eddie meet. Um, Sarah's on vacation. Eddie lives there. They're in, they're in England and they fall in love instantly. Sarah's on vacation. She's staying with her family and she basically spends the whole trip with Eddie. They have amazing time. They have great chemistry. Like, everything is there. And they part ways and promise they're going to see each other again. They both acknowledge it's not a fling and that it could be something more serious. And, like, you basically feel like they're going to get married. But then Sarah leaves and everything kind of falls apart. So Eddie stops answering her texts. He unfriends her on Facebook. She posts something on his Facebook wall at one point. Oh, this point. felt so creepy and yeah. desperate. She posts something on his Facebook wall asking if anyone has heard from him and if he's okay. And he basically just goes totally silent. She can see that he hasn't logged into Facebook or WhatsApp. And, and she's like concerned that something has happened to him. Yes. So as time goes on, her friends all start to tell her that like she should forget about him that he's a jerk that you know this is something that men do and you know they say that they're gonna keep in touch but then they you know just go silent and her friends are like get over this guy but she just like can't forget him she's obsessed and she actually gets to the point where she's starting to question her own sanity where even she realizes her behavior is like a little off the deep end exactly so she's kind of really grasping at straws trying to figure out what could have happened. Um, So earlier in the book, we learned that Sarah has lost her sister and that the sister was in this terrible car accident. So she's going over and over everything in her mind. And her friend asks her if she thinks Eddie could have been involved in the accident. They actually had met on the anniversary at the place of the accident. So we think maybe he was the driver in the crash. Yeah. So she goes back to LA, which is where she lives. And she decides that she's going to forget about him and you know close the chapter but then she starts seeing eddie outside of her office i totally thought she was hallucinating like i thought she was full-on crazy at this point so finally she emails him and they agree to meet up so plot twist huge plot twist it turns out that sarah was actually the driver in the accident she was driving and she had Eddie's younger sister in her car and while her sister was also involved in the accident she was in the other car and her sister lived and it was Eddie's sister that died so when Sarah says that she lost her sister it was because Hannah who's the sister refused to ever talk to her again and they have no relationship so Eddie basically says that he wishes that they never met because they're so perfect together but he could never be with her knowing that she was involved in that part of his history and that you know it could just never work out so he leaves and he doesn't disown the feelings that he had or that it was real but he can't get over them yeah so then to add to the drama out of the blue her sister calls her to kind of open the relationship and start to repair things but just as they're talking sarah gets hit by a car so we we spend at least like a quarter of the book thinking that sarah is dead Um, In the meantime, Eddie's going through all these feelings and starting to question his choices and wonder if he did the right thing. So Eddie is the primary caretaker for his mother, who has never gotten over the accident. She has a really deep resentment towards Sarah, and she has 
uh, a pretty complicated mental health history. And so Eddie is visiting with her and she tells him that Sarah has moved back to England and that she's pregnant. And he figures out that her due date would be right around now. And he has a feeling that the child is his. So he goes on this wild goose chase and he goes to her sister's house and then ultimately ends up at the hospital um, to be there for her while she's in labor. Yeah. So he waits through the difficult delivery. And like this is like it's going on for hours and hours. And you start to think that either Sarah is going to die, that she might have lost their child. It seems like pretty high stakes. Um, But she doesn't. So while he waits, he starts to reply to each one of her emails that she had sent while he was missing. So he professes his love. It's very romantic. And they end up making up. And from there, it's all sunshine and rainbows. So the book ends on a flash forward where they're at a party for their son. They're together formally. And Eddie introduces Sarah to his mother. And while the mother is still not over her grudge against Sarah, she does thank Sarah for her grandson so happy ending after we've been through a lot with this we went through a lot it was an emotional roller coaster okay let's start at the beginning so you were saying we have mixed feelings about Sarah yeah you know she was just being so annoying and so pathetic in the beginning like I kind of wanted to strangle her and be like you got ghosted like this happens to everyone like she was fresh out we didn't mention she was fresh out of a marriage so like I was like well maybe this hasn't happened to her yet like it's this is modern dating like you get ghosted I just wanted to tell her to move on well her behavior really escalated so at one point she posts on his Facebook wall to see if anyone's seen him because she thinks he's missing I was super uncomfortable I was mortified for her and then at another point she shows up at his soccer game for the league that he plays in like unannounced and tries to find him and starts questioning the people there like she was exhibiting some very questionable behavior yeah and even like his friend the guy on the soccer team was like just let it go like he knew what was going on yeah yeah he did but but oh man like she was I was like secondhand cringing for my god me too I was like oh girl like this is not gonna end well yeah I was like just stop yeah so wait I mean maybe we feel this way because dating in New York City is like a battlefield this is what Pat Benatar was talking about oh my god love is a battlefield so wait have (laughs) you ever been ghosted oh yeah all the time all the time I mean it's honestly it's been a while since I've been like fully ghosted but especially like so my last serious relationship ended about five years ago and I remember you know it was when tinder had just kind of become a big thing and it was normal to go on several dates and like I would get ghosted and ghost all the time I was like oh I guess this is just normal like if you don't feel a romantic connection after one or two dates you don't have to write them back it's fine I think that's different than ghosting yeah I think what ghosting is ghosting like is like if you say that you're going to like make plans like if you leave the date where it's like yeah we're definitely going to see each other again and you you just like go silent or if you, you've been dating for some in my head and maybe I'm just justifying bad behavior I think after one or two dates, it's fine to, like, just go silent. I think if you've been on, like, four or five dates and you just stop talking to the person. Yes. Or more. Okay. And that... I don't feel as bad after, like, one or two dates. In that case, I would say that um, I have been. You know who ghosted me? Who ghosted you? So this is actually kind of a funny story. And I'm not going to say names or anything. But I... There was a guy who I, like, 
was pretty into and we I think we went out like three or four times and then he just he ghosted me he completely disappeared and so I was like I was pretty hurt but you know again it wasn't serious we like didn't sleep together we were we went on like three or four dates and about three or four months ago I went on a press trip and he was on the press trip I was like, oh, my God, what do I do? Like, part of me was like, do you pretend you just don't even remember this person? Like, do you address it? Like, What did you do? Well, it was kind of awkward because I introduced myself. I just went up and introduced myself to him. I was like, hi, I'm Grace. And he was like, hey, it's good to see you. And so I had to, like, acknowledge that something had happened. But then... Oh, my God, my stomach's second then he, hurts this, for it, you. It gets worse. Then it gets worse. Like, I wasn't particularly friendly. I don't think I was mean. But he told the girl on the PR trip, he's like, yeah, I guess she doesn't want to talk to me. We used to date. And, like, put it on me. I was like, but oh. you stopped replying to my text messages. I mean, this was so long ago. Like, it was, like, probably three or four years ago. But I remember it was, like, the first person that I kind of liked after, like, my big relationship. So I was, like, I was just, at the time, I was, like, I was hurt. I didn't know what had happened. Oh, man. Modern dating. I now have a rule where, and maybe I'm, like, overly aggressive about this, but, like, if it's a first date or a second date and they follow up to make plans and I know I'm not feeling it, I just have a nice text I send where it's, like, hey, you know, I had a good time or, like, it was really fun talking to you, but just so you know, I, I don't see this being more than friends. Or, like, I didn't feel a romantic connection. That's very mature of you. I'm, you know, I am 36. I'm trying to be, like, a little more mature. I don't, I don't dodge text messages. Like, if somebody texted me and asked me on another date and I wasn't into it, I would say something. Yeah. But sometimes I feel like just nobody reaches out after the first date and... Then you just know that neither of you were really yeah. feeling it. And that's fine, too. That's the ideal if you're not really feeling it and then they're not feeling it either. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I need to revisit my dating behaviors. I'm making dating a real objective for the fall because I haven't like been on any dates all summer and I've kind of just like really let that aspect of my life kind of just be on the back burner while we go on all these trips and like I focus on work. But I'm really making it a priority for fall, I think. We need to do a dating episode. It's been so requested, but we haven't done one because it feels so hypocritical because neither of us have been dating. And I think, like, of of any podcast, like, we're not the people to ask for dating advice. Don't take our advice. If you want a really good dating podcast, I'm obsessed with Girls Gotta Eat. I think they're so funny. I haven't listened to that one. They're amazing. I also like You Up with Jared and Jordana. I love that one. I love them. They're so funny. Anyway. Anyway. So what about you? Have you been ghosted? uh, So based on my own definition of ghosting, maybe the story doesn't count. But I remember, this was a couple years ago. I went on the best first date of my life. I went on a date with this guy. It was supposed to be drinks. We probably met up at like six. I remember this. And it turned into dinner and then it turned into more drinks. We like made out in the street. We finally um, got not kicked out of a bar like because of bad behavior but because the bar was closing and we were like oh my god what time is it and it was like two in the morning we'd been on this date for like eight hours we were having such a wonderful time we were like oh like let's go out again this week or something and I never heard from that guy and I reached out to him because eventually I was like oh like we had such a good time and I you know after a couple days I followed up and was like hey it's such a good time the other night like thank you or something and I just like never heard from him he might have died 
He might have died. Yeah. But I was, I, it felt like we both had such a good time, which was why it was particularly so baffling. Yeah. Like, I didn't force you to go on an eight-hour date with me. Yeah. Anyway. But that one stands out in my mind. But I've certainly been ghosted way more times than once. Yeah. I feel like everyone has such bad dating etiquette in New York City. No, it's so bad. That's why I have my rule because I just want to like be, even if it's awkward to send that text message, I feel my conscience feels better. Yeah, I feel like dating apps have made it so that there's so much choice that Mm -hmm. nobody has to have good behavior because then you can just find the next person. Exactly. Ugh, it's... It dehumanizes the process. I know. It's just like a face with some interests and not Ugh. an actual human being. Online dating and dating in New York is the worst. It is. But I'm going to be really positive. I'm going to say it's not the worst. We just haven't met the right person yet. And are you giving yourself a dating quota? What does that mean? Like I have to go on one date a month or two dates a month. Yeah, I think I'm going to try for like one a week. One a week? Yeah. We'll see if that actually happens. That sounds exhausting. Yeah. I had a good first date before we left, but I don't want to talk about it because it's new. We'll see. So wait. I just want to actually focus on this. Whether that is a lot of dates or not a lot of dates, I want to, like, make sure I go on the app once a day. And, like, I will forget about the app and not reply to people for a week. And then it's, like, they're, like, who are you? Yeah, the apps are the hardest because it's so much work. It feels like a second job. Like, it, it, you have to, like, go on morning and night and I don't have push notifications on my phone for, like, anything because as a social media person, it's just annoying. So I frequently forget to check it. Oh, I have notifications on for dating apps. Maybe I should change that. Yeah. But then also, what if you're on a date and you, like, are Don't on- have your phone face up on the table. Yeah, that's that's good, a good point. <laughs> okay, that fixes that. <laughs> so wait. Okay, so okay. back to the book. We got sidetracked. So what did you think happened to Eddie? So... I thought something was wrong. I was kind of certain he was some sort of a criminal. I really thought, so when they had met, he said something about his mom's mental health issues. And I thought that maybe he was lying and they were actually his own mental health issues and that he was in a mental institution. And that's why he was missing. Like he was projecting all of those issues onto his mom. Yeah, it was like, I know someone who, but it Mm -hmm. was actually him. Because the thing that was sketchy was that she she could see that he hadn't been logged into Facebook or WhatsApp. Yeah, so it felt like he could have, like, totally just gone off the deep end and had a mental breakdown. Yeah, that's what I thought. So that's where I thought he was. Yeah. I wasn't sure, but I thought there was something seriously wrong with him. So wait, so what did you think about the twists? Because I know you're, like, the thriller, well, like, expert. Did you see them coming? I didn't know this book was going to have any twists. So I was delighted when there was this huge twist. I loved it. But then I talked to Becca about it, and she had some opinions which were totally valid and kind of ruined it a little bit. But I will say, this is going to shock you, Becca. What? I really wouldn't have minded a sequel to this book, which is just about like Sarah and Eddie and their love story. What? I know. I like really felt hard for these characters. Like Grace just I liked com- them so much. Oh my gosh, Grace! They had just such good chemistry. Complains and complains about reading love story oh, I books. Hate I hate most of them, but I'm really into Sarah and Eddie and oh their story. Oh my gosh! I know. I'm not. I wouldn't read that book. You wouldn't? No. Oh, it'd be a great book. Oh man, <laughs> what is happening? We're like Freaky Friday. Yeah. Oh my god, I don't even know. We're spending oh too much time gosh. together. I think. 
So I hated how the author used like so many open-ended cliffhangers. Like I hated that she set it up like Sarah was dead. Of course, I was pretty sure she wasn't actually dead, but the way it was written was that she got run over by a semi truck Uh and like was definitely gone. Yeah. And then there was also this minute and you'll remember this when Eddie was driving to the hospital and I was convinced that he was going to crash his car. I was convinced too. He was driving really recklessly. He was driving really recklessly. And I looked over at Grace. We were in our hotel room in Marrakesh and I looked at her and I go, Grace, if Eddie dies driving to the hospital in this car, I'm throwing my Kindle at the wall and I'm not finishing this book. (laughs) (laughs) And I like, I think I would have. Yeah. I was really angry. Yeah. So thankfully that didn't happen. Yeah. But I don't know. Like it seemed a little gratuitous with some of the like huge twists that like maybe weren't so set up. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, did you think that it made sense? You know, I don't think every part of it did. I kind of almost want to reread it. Like we're reading so many books right now. Oh my God. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. I like wanted to go back because... I, like, specifically recall her mentioning that her sister was dead. I did, too. Or or not even mentioning it, because she was clearly telling people that, but, like, in her inner monologue, saying something to herself Mm -hmm. about her sister being dead. And then another time, and I'm positive about this one, I mean, I guess just unless she was lying, um, she said that Reuben, who was her husband, was her first time where she lost her virginity, but that wasn't true. Yeah. So... I don't know. It was, like, very cleverly set up, but I felt duped. Like, there wasn't enough hints mm-hmm. that I, f- I got to the twist and I was like, oh, like, I missed that, but that totally makes sense. I know. Usually the author will leave, like, a trail of, like, little breadcrumbs that you can go yes. back and then reconnect when the, the twist happens. Yeah, and, and there like, wasn't any of and that. And then you feel stupid. Yeah. But you're like, oh, man, that totally makes sense. Yeah, this w- there wasn't any of that. No. And I still really enjoyed it, but... It wasn't that really satisfying feeling you get with a twist when you when all the little details add up and you're like, oh. Yeah. See, this is so funny because I feel like we're on opposite sides that we usually are where I'm like, I feel like I would have been more satisfied with the ending if like, I don't know, like something really crazy happened and like oh, they all died. And you're yeah. like, I want to read their love story sequel. Yeah. I don't know what's happening to me. Oh my god who are we this is what happens after sharing a hotel room with you for five nights i turn into brains yeah i'm turning into you i'm scared oh my gosh so overall i i liked this book a lot i did too it was worth the read yeah. i didn't see any of it coming so it definitely kept me on my toes yeah but in retrospect it might there not are some have things sense. that just didn't i'm not happy with the resolution of yeah did you ever get that way totally and if i had more time and didn't have a reading list pile that was like 10 feet tall, I would reread this. I wouldn't reread it, but I would go back through yeah. and like find the moments that I'm thinking of. Yeah, same. To like see if it made sense my memory's playing tricks on me or not. Agreed. So let's talk about other things that we're obsessed with. Yeah. Becca, what is your obsession this week? Well, I know what it is, but... I'm obsessed with my packing cubes. So when I was supposed to go to Asia I bought packing cubes from Amazon they were super cheap and I used them for the first time for this trip and they make such a difference so they're just these zipper bags and they they make everything 
fit so much more compactly. So I had two piles of stuff where I didn't have enough for a whole second packing cube. So I had a bunch of dresses in one packing cube and then a bunch of dresses that were not in it. And the ones that were in the packing cube, it had so much more stuff in it, but took up the same amount of space. It really helps to compress things. And I feel so organized where I have a bunch of stuff that I wanted for Morocco that I won't need in Portugal. So now I can just like have it in a separate packing cube. I don't know, I'm feeling pretty smug about my packing, which we all learned last week was is not my strong suit. So I feel like the packing cubes are helping. I have to revisit packing cubes because I have a set and I use them for my trip to Cartagena last, like this past winter. And I was like, eh, these are annoying. If I was just going one place, I don't think I would bother to use yeah. them unless I was trying to fit way more stuff in a suitcase than should be. But with going to a few places, I really like it because I have all of my bathing suit and cover-ups in one. I have all of my workout clothes and jammies in another one. I have like dresses for Morocco in one, dresses for Portugal. So in Willity, I haven't unpacked, but I know where things are in my suitcase and I don't have to yeah, no, that's like smart. tear the whole thing apart to find what I'm looking for. Yeah, we're only here for two nights, so I've been tearing mine apart, and I really didn't want to unpack for this leg of the trip. Yeah. So that makes sense. Go back to your packing cubes if you're ever going on another multi-city trip. Okay. I'm I will, into them. I will revisit it. And also, I think for a yoga retreat, it could be good just to sort all my all my workout clothes and non-workout clothes together. Yeah. Tell me about your obsession. So mine, I was going to say that it's caftans, but I think it's actually nightgown dresses, um, which maybe this is inspired a little bit by Becca. But I, um, I still haven't found my nightgown. That's so unfair. Well, you're going to have to go on to ASOS and order things up a few sizes, and I think you're going to find it. I'm like going to do this for you for your belated birthday gift. That's what I think. But I, um, before our trip to Sayulita, I bought this amazing Ula Johnson dress that feels like a nightgown, except it has these like metallic gossamer straps and like a big bow in the back. But aside from that, it just feels like a big nightgown. And if you wear that, like you're just the most comfortable. And then on this trip, Becca and I were out shopping and she found me the most beautiful white dress with like beautiful little yellow flowers running up and down it with like little green leaves. And if you know me, yellow and green are like my two favorite colors right now. And so I love that about it, but it feels like a nightgown. It also feels like it's Ula Johnson and it was $70. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really jealous of this dress. They didn't have it in my size or else we would be twinning. Yeah, we would be twinning. So I'm thankful for Becca for finding that for me, but I love it. And I just want all of the nightgown dresses. Like, it's so comfy wearing them. Yeah, I love a good shapeless dress. Yeah. What about Instagram? Okay, so I'm pretty obsessed with, I, I know, of course, you follow this. Do you follow Cezanne? Of course I do. I love them. So it's a French fashion brand. They've been having a pop-up in New York City. Or maybe it's a permanent store. No, it's, it, a, it's a permanent store. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, it's just the epitome of French girl chic. But anyway, they have their new collection out this week. It's and so good. And their Instagram has been fire for the past, like, two weeks with them previewing it. I was showing Grace some of the purses at some point, like, Everything is so cute. I'm just like, like, it would be damage to my credit card to go on their site right now. They're doing such a good job with everything. It's really good. Ugh. I agree. Interestingly, though, I noticed that they deleted all their old Instagram. So they started previewing this season and they deleted their whole account. So their whole account is just this season, even though this isn't like they weren't just born. It's so weird. I've never seen someone do that for a strategy. I know. It's a really interesting marketing 
strategy. Yeah, I don't know why you'd ever delete old Instagrams, but... I don't know. Maybe, like, their old season is, like, old. They only identify with the new. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. What don't about know. you? So mine is... And I forget how I found this account. Someone tagged it. It's at boys with plants. I mean, this is kind of like the hot guys reading account. It's so just beautiful like, men with plants. So which side of it are you more into? Because you've also had cats with plants as one of your faves. I mean, I do love plants. I just love plants in general. I would, I aspire to be a plant lady. That might be the other thing I focus on this fall along with dating. Plants. like I, I need to get new plants when I get back. I, I killed to, all of mine. I want to make my bedroom like a plant oasis with like, you know, the space above my bed. I want to fill it with plants. Ooh. I bought a bunch of plants last summer. And I've slowly killed all of them. I've killed all of mine except my aloe plant, which is really resilient. So I need some new ones. I can't tell if I'm overwatering them or underwatering them. My mom could tell you. I'm just going to have like a very serious text relationship with your mom and just send her photos of my plants every day and be like... Oh, she'd love it. I need that. My mom Grace's listens mom here. Grace's mom so. is a master gardener. She is. She... Um, she does all of this stuff down, um, up on Cape Cod with gardening, and she mentors kids on gardening. It's really cool. Obviously, you did not inherit her green thumb. I did not. And I'm not related to her, but I'm hoping I can pick up some of her green thumb skills because... You can be her second Becca. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I really want plants, but I I don't know what I'm doing wrong. They're, they're very complicated. And the other problem is, is that when I was Googling what was wrong with my plants, it seemed like it could be any number of things. Yeah, it's, it's really confusing. <sighs> Cats are way easier. They, like, scream at you when they're hungry or thirsty. So I need Hitha to come give me a packing tutorial. I need your mom to come give me a plant tutorial. I have a, I have a lot to set up here. You have a lot. <laughs> what about on the reading front? So I've been reading a lot. Um, it started with The Dinner List by Rebecca Searle, who also wrote Famous in Love. And I'm so excited because you gave me that one to take mm -hmm. with me to Portugal, and I can't wait to read that one. I don't want to say too much, but I will say that it starts out pretty slow, and I was like, oh my god, I'm so bored. And then it gets really good. Then I moved on to The Towering Sky, which is the third book in the Thousandth Floor series, um, which was amazing. I'm obsessed with the whole series. Like, I'm really sad that now it's over, and I, I truly just hope that they make it into a TV series. And now I just started Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win, which we're reading for the podcast in a few weeks. Yes. I haven't gotten too much reading in, and I'm a big vacation reader. So I spent most of our vacation reading Ghosted because I was behind and I hadn't read it. And then today I finished The Towering Sky, the thousandth floor book, which was so good. So good. I feel like that has been the book that has been the most popular on the podcast. I agree. So. Yeah. If you didn't read books two and three, or you didn't read book three yet because it just came out like last week. Yeah, it just came out. Get on it. It's worth yeah, it. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. So um. in other podcast news, we are actually taking a two-week hiatus. So our travel schedules are overlapping and kind of a mess. I'm in Portugal next week. Grace is in Sweden the week after. And we're going to take a little bit of time off. We've... Yeah. Uh, done almost six months of episodes without a single week off yeah it's crazy so we're gonna take a two-week break mm -hmm. and we will see you on september 26th with a catch-up episode about everything that's happened since then and some advice and we'll yes. figure out a topic and post it to insta stories yeah and it's gonna throw off our book schedule a little bit the books aren't changing but they'll just be 
a little later. So we'll post a revised schedule to Facebook and Instagram with book dates once I am back from Portugal. Yeah. So thanks for rolling with us. Yeah. Thanks, guys. And this will give you some time to catch up. So if you're ready for our next book, we are reading Save the Date by Morgan Matson on October 3rd. And I thought this one was super fun. I haven't read it yet. This one is very John Hughes. It's basically like a 16 candles in modern day times. And it's all about this girl whose older sister is getting married, and it takes place on her wedding weekend. It's very cute. So well, I can't wait. So in the meantime, if you want to catch up with us and see what we're up to on our two-week hiatus, you can follow us on Instagram. I'm at Becca M. Freeman. And I'm at Grace Atwood, and my blog is thestripe.com. And we'll see you in two weeks on September 26th with tons of new adventures to talk about. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.